Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk news program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, My guest today, we all know my three loves, history, politics, and film. And when film sort of embraces the others, I'm even happier. So today my guest is filmmaker, writer, director Scott Lyman. Well, Scott has uh, written and directed Venus Melite. Venus Melite is a short film, again, written and directed by Scott Lyman. And I've asked him to join us this afternoon to share his Venus of Honey with us. And by the way, I want him to talk about his choice to launch a Kickstarter campaign on behalf of this production, Venus Melite. Oh, first of all, this is interesting. I live sometimes in Virginia, and but I don't often have guests who are from Virginia. Writer, director Scott Lyman was raised on a farm in rural Virginia. Scott Lyman, first of all, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm great. Good. Excited to be here. Well, where were you raised? What what rural area of Virginia? Sure, I grew up on a farm about uh, forty minutes outside of Charlottesville. Oh, um, in a near a small town called Gordonsville. Oh, I know Gordonsville. I drive through yeah. it occasionally. <laughs> yeah, very cute orange county. Yes, yes. Well, very good. <laughs> well, hello, neighbor. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I spend most of my time in D.C., but occasionally I I do have a home that's west of Charlottesville out. Closer to the Blue Ridge, I guess. Oh, it's beautiful out there. Uh, absolutely. Okay, back to uh, us. And by the way, you still sort of split your time between Virginia and New York, don't you? I do. Um, I sort of bounce around quite a bit. For a while there, it was uh, New York and London, and then uh, now it's uh, New York and Virginia. So yes. I like it down here. It's quiet. It, it is quiet. It is. And when I have to do writing, too, I kind of tend to uh, try to find myself in Virginia. On the back roads doing 40 with God, as I often say. Anyway, let's get to Scott. (laughs) In 2014, Scott graduated with a master's in fine art from Central St. Martin's in London, where he developed a 26-minute video adaptation of Booker Prize winner Alan Hollinghurst's debut novel, The Swimming Pool Library, which uh, was published in 1988, I believe. And uh, shortly thereafter, the video was selected 
for the high-profile Bloomberg New Contemporaries 2015 and installed in a custom neoclassical pavilion at the Institute of Contemporary Arts in London. Not bad, Scott. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> oh, that was a great time. I was thrilled. Um, I think when I started my master's program in, in London, um, I had learned about the New Contemporaries exhibition, which is, uh, they do it every single year, and it's kind of a roundup, a very competitive roundup of um, recent graduates from UK art schools. And uh, so that was kind of the, the ultimate goal. Um, and I actually, you know, I wasn't sure that I was going to apply for it or anything like that, but um, I did end up applying and I was thrilled to be selected. So it was, it was really fun. Um, it, was a, it was a great time. It sounds like a great time. And, and, uh, you, and another great time in your life is you studied acting at Harvard, yes? I did, yes. That was uh, before I went to London. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think when I went to London, my goal was uh, to bring sort of my passion for uh, film and literature and uh, performance, working with actors, fine art, architecture, all of these things, and try to kind of, through um, a lot of research and um, and kind of digging into my interests, try to pull them all together into one sort of practice under one larger umbrella. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am with... Venus Milite. So, I right after I left uh, London for that um, from that show, New Contemporaries, I uh, went to do my first artist residency in Malta. Mm-hmm. And so, when I arrived there, I was kind of in this new country that I didn't know anything about, uh, and I had a month to kind of figure out what I was going to do with my time there. Um, and I was already searching for kind of a story for my next project. Mm-hmm. And uh, so was, I found it to be an incredibly inspiring place. And that was the beginning of Venus Milite. Exactly. And that was like 2016, I think, yes? Yeah, it was January 2016. Wow. And so some of us of a certain age, I confess to nothing, might remember or think of Malta as, of course, the... the uh, well, first of all, we should tell people it's an island south, south of Sicily, Yes. Yes, it's sort of between Sicily and uh, Tunisia. So it's um, about 90 miles, I think, off the coast of northern Africa. Yes. Um, it's the smallest and the most southerly country in the EU. Yes, and speaking of the EU being Italian, I claim it is uh, closer to Sicily, but, but, but I won't argue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bit of, a, a bit of a, an identity crisis for the that, Maltese, I understand. That's right, I'm sure it Very is. interesting. But in any case, of course, the big three leaders, FDR, Stalin, Churchill, met there in 1945 to plan world peace, which, of course, we're still striving to achieve, I guess. And and uh, and I don't want to place any constraints by any means on Scott's film, but it's certainly, well, it's, it's multi-layered, and let's let him tell us about it. So your Venus Melite, or Venus of Honey, is your short film. It's about an American photographer on assignment in Malta who finds inspiration in a struggling young beekeeper. Now, I love that. I mean, you know, it's not what I would have expected, so I love that. But he also, in so doing, attracts the attention of a volatile, estranged ex-husband of the beekeeper. So, with that in mind, Scott, um, I've already mentioned that uh, I invited you in part today to... Uh, to talk uh, about your short film because 
of your choice to launch a, a Kickstarter campaign. So let's start with that. What is how does the timeline for you and for Venus of Honey? How does that um, impact on your effort to film your story in Malta? That's right. Um, well, I actually just returned from Malta a couple of weeks ago, uh, where I started pre-production on the film. So I have um, a production team there. Um, one of the things I learned about Malta when I traveled there the first time for my artist residency is that there's a huge film industry, which I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's their second biggest industry besides tourism. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's this. There's this incredible diversity of uh, beautiful locations and. Uh, crew members and there's um, you know some available funding which we were able to take advantage of which is great we got a twenty thousand euro grant for the film. Wonderful. Um, yes, and um, you know this has been a multi-year project for me and I'm really excited for it to move forward. And when I was there, we met with uh, several beekeepers because there's a um, very very long um, history of of uh, bee cultivation. Um, or I guess honey cultivation mm -hmm. in Malta that goes back to, I think, Neolithic times. Um, yes. And uh, so the beekeepers there, uh, we were talking about the schedule, and it turns out that <laughs> the best time to shoot is the last week of April, which mm. doesn't give us a whole lot of time to prepare, um, although in some ways I've been preparing for years now. But um, So we're trying to um, supplement our 20,000 euro grant uh, with, 15,000 US dollars in order to um, just sort of move forward with the shoot as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And at this stage, I have um, nearly $10,000 and I have 11 days to go. So I'm about two thirds of the way to my goal um, and about two thirds of my way through the campaign. Uh, so right on target. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm looking for really about $6,000 minimum uh, in the next 10 days is my goal. All right, then let's, as long as we're talking money, which is an essential part of any filmmaking, um, what, um, how do we, uh, tell us how we go for those who don't normally or regularly visit Kickstarter, how do we sure. get there to make donations? Sure, so um, there's a Kickstarter, we're actually featured as a um, kind of a staff pick on Kickstarter, so if you go to kickstarter.com, you should see Venus Malibu, Venus of Honey on the main page. Um, and you can click on that link. I think you have to make a, um, an account. You can probably do it. You can do it anonymously. Uh, you can also, I think, do it as a guest. And you make a pledge there. And we have um, different levels. You can pledge any amount you like, but we have uh, rewards for various levels. So, for example, um, if you pledge $50 or more, you'll get your name as a special thanks in the credits. Mm. Um, if you pledge $100 or more, you'll get a signed limited edition print uh, photograph from the film because the film also culminates in an exhibition of photography um, that is taken by the character um, of, in the film who's also a photographer in real life. So we're going to have this beautiful, um, this beautiful uh, product from the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it goes all the way up to, if you pledge $1,000 or more, you're a producer on the film, uh, mm -hmm. and you also get a larger signed limited edition print. If you pledge uh, $5,000 or more, you get an executive producer credit. And then if you pledge $7,500 or more, you are the executive producer, and you also are invited to uh, the film's premiere and international screenings uh, at various film festivals. You get a credit on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, as well as in the film. 
so we have lots of options there. And uh, of course, no contribution is too small. Um, even five, ten, twenty-five dollars is going to inch us closer to our goal. So my goal is to try to bring a hundred new people into this uh, this campaign in the next ten days. Excellent. Okay. Well, we wish you all the best, and we will mention uh, all of that information again uh, at the end of our second segment. Uh, it is an ad- adventurous uh, venture on your part to to try and do this because again, Malta. At the timeline, it does present a lot of challenges that, I mean, filmmaking is a challenge in itself, but I mean, the, how's the climate in Malta, for instance, if they're raising bees? Is it consistent? Yes. Or, tell us about that's that. That's actually, that's one of the reasons why we need to shoot sooner rather than later, because uh, it gets very, very hot in Malta. Mm. Um, so I think what happens, my understanding um, is that the bees are really starting to pollinate now. Um, it's full on, you know, late spring, early summer there at this time. Um, and in a few months, the landscape really dries up, and so there's not a whole lot of food for the bees. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they start harvesting honey at, in the last week of April, and then um, I think the bees, there's a really beautiful, specific species of bee in Malta that is, of course, endangered, like bees are everywhere. Yes. Um, and it's a black honeybee. And the honey that is produced by them is this very dark, uh, thick honey that you don't really see in many other places. So it's very specific. Mm. Um, it's kind of a treasure. And um, so I think they, they sort of stop producing for the summer and then go for it again in the fall, uh, maybe. But it's not quite the same. The real, the special honey comes out just in April. I get it, yes. So uh, what is that, what kind of time, to talk about timeline, what kind of time does that leave for you to make submissions to film festivals? Oh sure. So we have a um, we have a whole festival strategy outlined, um, and the good thing about shooting shooting sooner rather than later is that it gives us five months to then um, probably raise a bit more money for post production, which will happen in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, start sending out our rewards. Um, we'll do a little bit of extra shooting in New York for this gallery sequence that ends the film, um, and we'll probably throw an event um, along with that. Uh, there's going to be some visual effects in the film, uh, some computer-generated graphics with um, the honeybees, and um, there's a very exciting final sequence, which I won't outline here, but okay. I want to ruin the film. Of course, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's going to require a little bit of extra help. Um, so we'll have five months to do that, which is great, and then uh, we will be submitting to the first festivals uh, on October 1st. Oh, well, excellent. And uh, if, if I recall... Um, when I went to uh, to the link to see you on Kickstarter, there was also a short video about the film and about all all of what we're talking about today. Yes. Yes, there's a bit of a video pitch. When um, I was in Malta several weeks ago, uh, we did some test shooting um, around the honeybees and various locations. And my dear friend Margaret, who is uh, the main actor in the film and mm-hmm. is also a photographer in real life. Um, she's there with me in Malta and we talk about the project and we talk about the campaign and we talk about the rewards. Uh, so that's a little bit of an overview of, um, of the entire thing. And, and that's not, mo- uh-huh. go ahead. I should say about Kickstarter. One thing that people listeners may not know is that Kickstarter, something that makes it special and also uh, a little bit <laughs> scary is that, the way that it works is that it's an all-or-nothing platform. So if I don't reach my goal, I don't get a penny. 
Um, and at this stage, we have almost $10,000. So mm. uh, that's a lot to lose. But that is. You know, I didn't know that about Kickstarter. I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay, everybody, let the word go forth. Uh, this well, we're having a grand time. I do want to mention, since we've sort of mentioned her a, a good deal, the uh, actress, a, a photographer we've been talking about is Margaret Singer. Yes. Yes. That's okay. Right. And we are talking to the writer director of Venice Melite, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Scott Lyman. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There's more to come. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. In the Land of Blood and Honey is Angelina Jolie's first filmmaking project. It's set amidst the putrid mix of religious hatred and ethnic cleansing that was the Balkan War. It reminds us again that war is a far from noble adventure and that behind all the fictitious propaganda are human qualities better left suppressed by the restrictions of civilization. Before the hell of war descended on them, Daniel, a Christian, and Ayla, a Muslim, had begun a promising relationship. Then a bomb shattered the friendly nightclub where the lovers danced. Daniel later becomes a highly placed officer in the Bosnian war effort, in charge of a cruel Serbian military camp where Muslim women, including Ayla, are confined to service the troops. Daniel tries to protect her, but their relationship is confounded by his casual brutality and the horrific surrounding imbalance of power. This is tough territory for a first-time director. The cruelty is brutally vicious, and the realities hard to face. Jolie has endured harsh criticism for her graphic depiction and some say naive exploration of extraordinarily complex issues. We hail her courage. She has produced a worthy film. In the land of blood and honey, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio program. My guest today is filmmaker, writer, director Scott Lyman, who is in the process of directing his film production, a short film, Venus Melite and Venus of Honey in Malta. And he's agreed to agree <laughs> with me that Malta is south of Sicily as opposed to Tunisia or any other. But wherever it is, he has just come back from there. And we are talking today about the making of his film and, and about his Kickstarter campaign to make this happen. We've mentioned uh, Margaret Singer a number of times, actor and photographer. But let's talk a bit more about your cast. I, I think it's fair to say that your characters that you've written are outsiders. I mean, and in some areas of the world, they'd be called outcasts even. But it's it, it, how do they commingle, these, these outsiders, these very different individuals that you created? Mars, and, uh, yeah, tell us. Yeah, well, when I uh, went to Malta for the first time in January 2016 uh, for an artist residency, I uh, didn't really know anything about Malta, and I had three to four weeks to sort of do all of the research and try to gain an understanding of the place and make some artwork about it. So that was a pretty quick turnaround there um, in terms of trying to understand a foreign country with a you know, 7,000 year history. Mm. Um, so, so that was pretty intense. And I, and I also found that when I was there, I was, you know, looking at all of this as an outsider, you know, I'm an American, I'm a gay man. And, so I was sort of looking at this this long history and, and trying to find perspective on it. So 
so in my short film when I was there, I was sort of thinking, you know, I want to make a project here and, you know, maybe I should make it from, I don't really want to be, you know, imposing statements about a place that doesn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really interested in the outsider's perspective because I've always felt like an outsider myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Malta now, it, it felt like sort of a microcosm for, you know, a lot of problems that are being faced um, all over the world in mm-hmm. terms of political corruption, environmental degradation, and the migrant crisis. They have uh, refugees sort of, you know, washing up on the shores all the time and um, alive and dead, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and so they're this tiny, tiny island country is dealing with this influx of foreigners for the first time. Well, not for the first time, I shouldn't say that, but they're dealing with a level of diversity that they've never had to deal with before. Yes. Um, and so I was really interested in that along with this long history of Malta. You know, it's been colonized by basically every world power since Alexander the Great. Yes. Um, and it, this incredible, incredible history. But I think I, I didn't want, I wanted to sort of explore that from an outsider's perspective. So the, the purpose of the film is to see a place through the eyes of an outsider. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, I mean, I know you've created these characters and they are outsiders, each in their own way, but even as a, as a, uh, as say, a unit to give away as little as possible, they are also still out, collectively, they are outsiders as well as individually. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, yeah, I think I'm more interested in outsiders as characters. It's, you know, even sort of, I, I would say, the villain, and I, I hate calling him that because I think he's a complicated character, but I prefer to view him, you know, sort of uh, sympathetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think of him even as, as an outsider. Well, we're all carrying a, a baggage, and that doesn't just mean, you know, if you were divorced or... Uh, you know, you you were forced out of the army or whatever. There are all kinds of baggage, and including just culturally and socially, that we even perceive that may not even be there. So you know, that's right. I, and I think I think that the magic of film is that it gives us time to see the POV of each character. So because every character thinks he's perfect, he thinks he's right. Yeah. He's not he's exactly. Not, yeah. Anyway, enough of me. Tell us about Mars. Who's playing Mars? And, and well, just tell us. Yeah, um, so Mars is inspired by uh, my real-life best friend, Margaret Singer. Uh, we met uh, when I was living in Boston studying acting. Um, we, along with uh, her partner, Max, we moved to uh, New York at the same time in mm. 2010. Mm-hmm. And we sort of became best friends. And along with several other people, we have sort of a little queer family. And um, so when I came back from Malta the first time, I was you know, showing her photos and telling her about this place and how incredible it was. And, and we sort of agreed that I could uh, come up with a story that she could participate in. So mm-hmm. I really wrote this, this film um, for her. Mm-hmm. Um, in many ways, it's, it's inspired by her life in some ways. Um, the character Mars is not Margaret Singer, but it's inspired by some of her history. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, it's, it's, in some ways, it's a love letter to Malta, and it's a love letter to my friend Margaret, so. Well, there you are. And Isla? Yes. She is the beekeeper, yeah. uh, who Mars meets when she arrives. Um, and I, I had learned a bit about beekeeping in Malta, and I visited the, um, the ancient apiaries, the bee colonies there. 
um, that are carved directly into the stone uh, in a cliff face. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just so enchanted by it. And, and, you know, with everything that's happening in uh, Malta, it seemed like maybe there was something to be explored there in terms of um, the, the kind of difficulties that honeybees are facing around the world as, you know, we continue to grow and um, you know, envir- the environment continues to change. Um, the political environment is um, doesn't seem to be particularly motivated to help the bees. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. You know, I, I I often tell people, we think we're so superior, and of course, no one considers insects one way or the other important, and yet, <laughs> insects, bees, whatever, as they go, whether Einstein said it or not, as, as the bees go, so do we. But how about, uh, how about the person we are not calling the villain? What is he yes. coming from, and, and how is he impacting on your other characters? Sure. Um, his name is King, and he is um, Isla's husband. Uh, they're separated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of a, a difficult, confusing, complicated dynamic between them there. Uh, but I was really interested in, I think I'm always interested in, in the way masculinity is portrayed and the way that people deal with it. Um, I've never felt particularly masculine my whole life, so uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's something personal to me. And, and I, I can see that sometimes, you know, kind of like the, the, the prescribed form of masculinity is kind of too much for some people and it, it causes people to suffer. And, and I, I think that it's a really heavy weight that society puts on, on men, lots of men. And, um, and particularly in very conservative cultures, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times there's a certain way that you're expected to be. There's a certain success you're expected to reach, and uh, when that doesn't happen, um, you know things can explode. So that's that's Cain. Yes, you know, and recently in America, as I'm sure you're aware, there was some big to do in the media about and arguments about traditional masculinity was on the decline. And I when I when I heard that I went, uh, you know, it's it this is the problem with 24/7 news coverage. You have to make up something to talk about if you, yeah. when you don't have any. But anyway, so it's we don't have to go to Malta to face these sort of things, but it is a lot more beautiful there, I guess, and uh, and picturesque and, and the cinematography. Um, t- tell us for that matter, tell us about your production team. I mean, You've got some sure. excellent people. Yes, please. Yeah, so when I was in Malta the first time, I met, um, I did a screening of my my uh, video adaptation um, from London when I first arrived, and um, uh, Angelique Muller came to the screening and we met, and I had been sort of thinking about how incredible the place was, Malta, and how I wanted to make a project there, and so I was preparing to pitch her, and uh, she actually pitched me to, yeah. to you know, give her an idea, and... and um, so we that whole that started the whole process and and because there's a huge film industry there, Angelique has this incredible CV. She's worked on Game of Thrones, which mm-hmm. uh, the first season was filmed in Malta. She's worked on um, By the Sea, directed by Angelique, uh, Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's worked on World War Z, starring Brad Pitt. I mean, all of these huge, huge, huge. Um, yes. you know, multi-million-dollar productions. So she has incredible experience. Um, so I was lucky to find her, and then. And she's um, she's producing and and first AD as well, yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and um, and 
she also brought in Oliver Malia, who owns the production company Pelicola. Mm-hmm. And um, he also worked on Game of Thrones and, and By the Sea and lots of other big productions. And they co-founded the Valletta Film Festival in Malta. So uh, we already have a, a locked-in premiere there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's great. And uh, we also have uh, a Paris-based producer, Martin Berliand, who does a lot of uh, short films. And mm-hmm. then we also have a production company in New York called Bows and Arrows, uh, who joined the team. Our DP is Anna McDonald, who is a Canadian-American located in London. And um, she is uh, very young. She's just starting out, and she's just making incredible work. So I'm lucky to have her on board. And and we'll be shooting in this incredible, I mean, Malta is this gorgeous honey-colored rock in the middle of the Mediterranean. And so mm-hmm. the colors you see there are just this blinding, blinding, beautiful uh, honey-colored stone everywhere and this deep, deep blue from the ocean. And it's just the most stunning place I've ever been. Yes. I, I am familiar with it. And uh, and what I have seen of your film uh, in is in the trailer the teaser, if you will, was uh, a, truly a reminder of what how what a beautiful part of the world that is, and and that so much is going on, as you've already mentioned, so much is impacting on it now that it has not had to deal with in at uh, this magnitude. We often think in America that we're the only ones dealing with all the problems, but well. So what about do you get a sense of Malta in addition to everything you've been telling us about it, all of the beauty and its history and so forth, but and, and, and politics and culture and climate. You, you've really touched on all that we should know. But is there a tension between, say, its antiquity and the, this, this rush, if it is, to be modern? How does yes. nature battling with industry, that sort of thing? Of course, yeah. I mean, I think I'm always interested in those things. But, you know, in Malta, you have um, you know, Neolithic temples that have been vandalized and are sort of falling apart. And mm. And then you have these um, Renaissance uh, fortifications, these fortified cities that, um, you know, are filled with Baroque architecture and, and, you know, all these layers from the various various um, colonization, you know, the countries that, that colonized the Malta. And um, so there's all these incredible layers there. And then, of course, they're modernizing. There's this mm-hmm. huge influx of money from tourism and film in Malta. And, they were one of the few countries, I think the only country in the EU that wasn't impacted at all by the 2008 financial crisis because mm. people still continued to visit. They still made films and, and they didn't suffer. So, you know, they're modernizing the city and I mean the country at this incredible rate. And with that comes a lot of growth, yes. um, which a lot of people perhaps would argue um, the island can't support. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. They're, you know, Maybe I don't want to have too much of a perspective from this as an outsider, but it seems like there's not a whole lot of respect for um, what's left of the natural environment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's it's these things that are, you know, I find it really interesting. It's happening everywhere, of course, in some places more than others. We see yes. it here in Charlottesville. Yes. But, you know, it's with a long history in Malta that they're dealing with. It's, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Well, you're right. It is happening everywhere. But again, when you're 7,000 years old and there's so much, so much diverse history, well, it's growth is a good thing, but it certainly can be painful. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, you know, before we go, tell us how we can find out more. We want to mention, of course, the Kickstarter campaign again. But uh, 
what other what other platforms can we visit? Facebook, etc. Uh, tell us. Sure. Yeah, I've been uh, sharing the project a bit on Facebook. My name is Scott Lyman, and it's uh, you can find information about the project on my page, and then the Kickstarter page. Uh, you know, donations, uh, shares, contributions. Uh, if you know anybody who you think might be interested in the project, even you know, if you give. Twenty-five, fifty, a hundred dollars. Um, it would be greatly appreciated, and you'll have our gratitude, and and we'll put your name in the credits. And also, we should mention again that if you do not reach your goal of fifteen thousand dollars, you get nothing. Right? That's right. So ten days to uh, to raise six thousand dollars. Okay. And and also, I think uh, what 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 some some people may have questions. As I said, not everybody jumps on Kickstarter every day. But uh, what's the accountability? People, you know go to a platform online, they give money, how do they know what's going to happen to it? Sure. So if we don't reach our goal, nobody's card will be charged. So it's a pledge rather than a, than a contribution at this stage. But mm-hmm. um, on March 24th, Sunday, March 24th at uh, 4.16 p.m., the campaign will end. And if we reach our goal, everybody's card will be charged. And if we don't, then they won't be charged. All right. Let me thank you so very much, uh, Scott Lyman, writer and director of the short film shot in Malta, Venus Melite, Venus of Honey. That's okay. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. I always love oh, talking same. to filmmakers anyway, but you have been uh, you have been enlightening on so many levels, and I can tell from um, this conversation in particular, but also from your teaser on the Kickstarter platform that uh, you do bring. You keep calling yourself an outsider because you're you're filming in Malta, but you bring, what do I want to say, a worldly, in the best sense of that word, a, a global POV that makes your characters outsiders they may be, really beacons for us to say, ooh, I can relate to that. Does that make sense? It does. That's great. Thank you. Okay. I'm glad you're getting that. <laughs> I, I did. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Scott Lyman. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. All the best to you and your film and your production team and your wonderful cast and my best to Margaret. I love her photographs already. Uh, thank you very much. Bye now. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. The film American Honey is long. It is grimy and it paints a terrifying picture of the vulnerability of youth. In its feel and its dread, it evokes the tragedy of the classic unsupervised children coming of age film, Kids. Director Andrea Arnold is known for exploring the gulf between those who have and those who have not. She does not condemn the wealthy, rather she explores the corrosive effects on the disaffected have-nots as they pursue their own piece of the American dream. These youthful dreamers are the subjects of Queen Bee Crystal and her maniacally charismatic right-hand recruiter Jake, played by the always fascinating Shia LaBeouf. Traveling across the country via van, the youthful acolytes disperse each day to sell overpriced magazine subscriptions, working their deceptive wiles from door to door. They are at heart hustlers, working for acceptance and rank in their swarm. They are both victims and victimizers, both dangerous and in danger. Their youthful vibrancy is as natural as a spring day fueled by ephemeral highs, so tempting in the present and so harmful at their core. This is the kind of film that gave root to independent film. It is rough. It is real. It is not for everyone. American Honey. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. 
Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Missing you and us, too. There was little reason for my grandmama to leave her huge farm to go into town a few miles away for groceries, gasoline, farm equipment, overalls, and newspapers. Now I only go back for the funerals and do hear on the breeze what I've missed. I'm not into romanticizing the past. Believing things, for the most part, are always improving, until G.W. and Cheney, of course— as long as what's new doesn't obliterate what's been with what's coming round the bend. I don't miss Mayberry or my slumlord friends on Shelter Island, but I do miss New York City neighborhoods, walking city blocks, and being constantly in rehearsals for something. I miss Gypsy and Heinrich, best and worst watchdogs respectively. Don't miss Dad and Mom so much as it still feels like they're here but I do miss people who trim their trees back from power lines so when the winds come we keep our A.C. I miss hailing a yellow cab for Carol Channing, strolling Midtown with Colleen Dewhurst and chatting with James Whitmore about the next voice you hear. He said I was too young to have seen it, but while other boys my age were outside playing ball, I was watching old movies on TV. Mr. Whitmore was so proud of the fact that he had made the movie with Nancy Reagan before she met Ronnie. But I told him I would never forget what it felt like when God spoke to him on his radio. I miss that. I miss taking time to tune up with morning prayers and reel-to-reel -reel Gregorian chant. I don't miss fast cars and curvy roads, for that's still how I relax. I miss Jimmy Stewart and Harvey. Yul Brenner and the American Original Six. Gregory Peck, whom Mom told, my son is an actor too. I never miss Florida, except when I think of hurricanes 250 miles offshore pinning me against the lifeguard chair, streaking back my hair with beach sand, my lips rimmed like a margarita glass, and the ocean some distance away lapping occasionally at my toes, as a seagull above makes no headway because of headwinds. I miss the silence that can only be heard without the din, and I miss people who understand the wisdom in that. I miss Marvine's white boots as much as our drama classes. I miss my voice lessons with Wayne and Ernie, and both the Peabody and Baltimore Opera in the days of George Woodhead and Bill Januzzi, the only man who smoked more cigarettes than my 61-year-old brother, just diagnosed with the lungs of an 80-year-old. I miss him already. For me, missing is more happy memories than sad longing. But I do miss not seeing my best friend Lance Thomas Vining. However, I don't miss the Silver Diner, his favorite dining choice. I do miss my annual trips to Europe, but it was a wonderful career that suspended them, so we make our choices. I miss dates on letters even to find telephone numbers on bills, and I miss sleeping more than five hours a night. But most of all, I miss who we were in the sixties. I miss Abraham, Martin, and John, and Bobby, too. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the Donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.